You're listening to the Centre Church Podcast. We hope you enjoy this message recorded live from our Burgess Hill campus. Wow, what an honour to be with you guys today. This this is a tremendous, um, tremendous atmosphere of expectation. And I am so excited about that. It's it's really such an honour to be in this nation. I have never been yet. Um, and... Our family has lived here for 11 years now, and so that's terrible. But finally I get here, and now I see why they don't want to come back. I kind of am loving the place myself and loving the people that I meet here. And uh, you all have just been so welcoming. And so thank you for the honor of being here today. And, um, and again, the expectation that you have, I just sense that in the atmosphere today. Uh, it's the expectation that you have. But more importantly, it's the expectation that the Holy Spirit has. And I don't know if you could feel that as you were coming in this morning, but it was like the Lord is just waiting to meet with you. Just that that hovering, that waiting to meet with you. And these sorts of events are so important for women because we are wives, we are mothers, we are grandmothers, we have jobs, we have responsibilities, we have stuff. And I have found that women all over the world, if you ask them how they are, they'll say, I'm well, thank you. And then you find out what's going on in their lives and you go, really? You're doing okay? And it's like, I don't have time for a breakdown right now. So I'm well, thank you. And that's what we do. And so God plans days like this where he's like, okay, let's come away just for a little patch of time. And I just feel the spirit of the Lord wants to say to you today, It's okay to not be okay. It's okay to just be you. In this moment today, you're not a wife. You're not a mom. You're not a grandma. You have no responsibility except to be the daughter of the king today. And he has been waiting for you. And he has been waiting to pour out love and life and just the things of his heart. Um, I saw as we were preparing for this, this weekend, um, such a sense of women, you know, and this is not just here. It happens everywhere. But I, I sensed particularly in this group that there are so many of you who have been large producers in life. You have done things, you have served, you have given, but there have been places along the way where you have been hurt, you have been wounded, there has been stuff that has gone on, and some walls have gone up, and we still function, and yet the passion gets a little stiffer. And the Lord just this weekend, for if, if that is you, you know, God has picked this day to bring freedom and to breathe life. For some this morning, there is, there has been depression, there has been an emotional fog, and you feel like you haven't felt anything for a long time. This morning, God just wants to breathe life on your emotions He wants to breathe life on your heart. He wants to breathe life in the deepest places. There are some this morning who have been just encased in in self-strength because you have had to get through to get through. And there's just been a, you know, I'm just going to do what it takes to do what needs to be done. And we even sang it this morning. I'm so blessed by the worship and I'm so blessed by the dance. That was beautiful. But God is just pressing through those walls this morning. 
He is breathing life into those places. And I believe every single one of us today, you know, is going to leave with a next level release. We are going to leave, leave freer than we've ever been. You know, we've got our Bible college students up here, which are awesome. You guys are fantastic. And they're new to life. But you guys still face stuff, don't you? You still have the option of being on fire. You still have the option of being awakened or not. And I find um, the story of how God awakens so interesting. We, you know, for those who are mothers, you know you have options in how you awaken your children in the morning. Some of them demand a little more urgency than others. Um, some you can you can just gently waken. But today I believe God is going to awaken our hearts in whatever way you need to hear it. So if you're the person who needs the gentle wake up, that's what he wants to deliver to you today. If you're the person who needs just a nudge and a, an encouragement, that's what he's got for you today. If you're the person who needs God to tip the bed over so that you'll get out and get moving, then that's what he's going to give you today. And so be prepared for that. But none of us are going home the same. I believe we are, we are literally transformed from glory to glory. Every time we come into his presence, every time we get into his word, every time we seek his face, but particularly when he plans an encounter, we are transformed. And so, you know, I hope your families are going to be ready for this, but you're going home changed women at the end of this day, and it's going to be good. Uh, um, Song of Solomon, chapter four, verse 16 says, awake, O north wind, and come, O south, Blow upon my garden that its spices may flow out and let my beloved come into his garden and eat its pleasant fruits. And uh, this is a verse I just I just speak over us today. You know that the wind of the spirit would blow on the garden of our hearts and release the spices that are in there, the treasure that is in there, the value that is in there. This verse holds a particular significance to me and I'll share with you why in a bit. But it has to do with some of my own awakening, I've had a, a particularly a couple instances in, in my life that I would say specifically have been awakening moments. And, and to me, an awakening is the place where you suddenly feel alive again. Literally, you just feel alive again. You feel like there's passion in your life again. How many of us can go through days and weeks and months and if you pause and go, when was the last time I really felt passionate? You can't name it. I mean, that is what this reality around us does. You know, the enemy of our souls is out, we know, to steal, kill, and destroy. And that force is there in everything. It is all around us. But today we want to embrace the fact that Jesus said, I have come that you would have life, and not just life, but life abundantly. And to me, awakening is abundant life. It's passionate living. I look at, you know, this dance that we saw this morning. And this, to me, this is what women really are. We're expressive. It might not, I mean, if I tried to do that, y'all would be leaving. I guarantee you. But we all have expression. We have passion. Women have been given a heart that beats like nothing else. We have been given emotions and passion that is different than men have. And God wants to inspire that for his purposes today. 
And I believe sometimes it's, it comes out and it's just beautiful and it's gentle and it's lovely. Some women are made to be warriors. Well, okay, I think all women are made to be warriors, but I just want to, you know, make it easy for some of you who don't see yourself that way yet. We are, there is nothing like a group of women who pray together. I mean, heaven and earth moves in that moment, right? Because there is nothing like a woman who is defending her children, her family. I mean, something else entirely comes out. And that is something God has put in us for his purposes. It's, it's part of what our kingdom purpose is. And that's what awakening is. It's awakening us to live in that place all the time. It's awakening us to live in, engaged in life, living abundant life at whatever age, in whatever place God's called us to be. I was thinking about um, the story of Sleeping Beauty. Does everybody know that story? It's so, does anybody not know it? Okay, good. Do you know it's a, it's a weird international fairy tale? Like it is told on every continent. That story of, of a girl, princess, who was born into a kingdom. And when she was born, not everybody celebrated, right? And so as the story goes, one of the fairies came and cursed her life and said one day when she, when she touches, her finger touches the spindle of a spinning wheel, she'll prick her finger and she will fall asleep. Didn't, the curse wasn't that she would die, but that she would fall asleep. And, and in that, that fairy tale, what I find so interesting is how, I mean, it's, it's always so romantic, but of course the prince has to come, and it's a really handsome prince, of course, who has to come and he kisses her and true love's kiss awakens her and she comes back and she rules in the kingdom again. The, uh, some versions of the story say that when she falls asleep, they, they make sure her parents are like, oh my goodness, when she wakes up after a hundred years, uh, everybody's going to be gone and she's not going to be happy. And so everybody else gets put to sleep too, waiting for her to awaken. Now I realize this is not Bible, but if you have read your Bible, it bears a start, striking resemblance to the story of humanity. It bears a striking resemblance to the enemy of our souls who was not exactly happy that we exist. You know, and if it, that's about mankind in general. But for women in particular, when we read Genesis, we know that there's enmity that, that's built into our relationship with men, our enemy, enmity between us and the serpent, the enemy of our souls. There's this war that goes on. And I have seen powerful women around the world knocked out time after time after time. And, and it just frustrates me so much to see how um, the enemy has managed to take uh, an entire piece of society and for, for the most part has crippled us from being fully who we are. And the bigger picture, if we look at the fairy tale, is that the entire kingdom doesn't get to function because she's asleep. I believe there is a, a kingdom of God movement that is awaiting the awakening of the, the women of God. The women of God coming into the fullness of his plan for us. And we know that the king of glory has come and he will be the prince that awakens us. He is the one who even this morning 
is the prince that wants to awaken us. He wants to breathe that life. And it sounds ridiculous, but it's truly, truly part of the word. Again, in Song of Solomon, chapter 5, going down, the Shulamite says in verse 2, I sleep, but my heart is awake. It is the voice of my beloved, and he knocks, saying, Open for me, my sister, my love, my dove, my perfect one. Open to me. This is where we are at, even today, at whatever capacity. You know, some of you may be feeling like you're totally free already, which is so awesome, but there are always ever-increasing levels of glory. But I believe most of us have areas where my heart is awake, but the rest of me is sleeping. The rest of me, there's, there's, there's something that just can't, can't fully engage like it's supposed to. So when we're talking about the, the subject of awaken, it, it, a, an awakening is a transformation. It's a moving from one state to another. When you were sleeping, you were experiencing one thing. When you awaken, you experience something else. It's transformation. It's movement. Today we are experiencing and about to experience transformation of the heart, transformation of the mind. Today we're going to ask, what, what are we awakening from and what are we awakening to? Maybe you didn't feel asleep, but something about this conference drew you. And the Spirit of God has freedom and He has life for every part of who you are. The definition of awake is interesting. It actually means to rouse from sleep, from lying down, that's the obvious part, to rouse from disease, to rouse from obscurity, to rouse from inactivity, to rouse from ruins, to cause to stand and take up. Maybe there's somewhere in there that we fit. Maybe, maybe we don't feel that we're asleep, but are you in obscurity? Is there a dream of the heart that has gone to sleep? Is there something that has been tucked away because of the circumstances of life? How about roused from inactivity? Most of us do not sit around doing nothing, but you know when your activity is bearing fruit. You know when your activity means something. There is a difference from having a full life and having a busy life. Busy is, is mindless. A full life is abundant and, and it's active in God. Maybe it is being awakened and roused from the ruins. Maybe it is, uh, there is brokenness in your life. Maybe you've had marriage problems. Maybe you've had family problems. Maybe you're in financial problems. Maybe there's something that from the outside that has completely collapsed on you and you had no idea that it was coming, but you know on the inside you don't feel the same right now. God wants to rouse you in that and awaken you in that. There is an answer for that. And so we're going to go into that today. It's arousing to stand and take up, to wake up. What I find a little bit interesting in the, um, the verse that I just read, Song of Solomon chapter 5, in verse 6, it says, my heart leapt when he spoke. My heart leapt when he spoke. If we were to read the whole portion, we would see that she didn't actually get out of bed. 
She didn't actually answer the door. She didn't actually respond to him. But her heart leapt when her beloved spoke to her. And so even this morning, I believe there is a a stirring on the heart. But we get a choice whether or not we're going to respond to it. Some of you, even now, if we were to go into prayer right now, God has already sparked something. And and you could respond in this moment and be like, okay, God, have it, right? And some of us need more. But God is going to take us to the place where we actually want to. When we hear the call at the door, when the beloved is standing at the door, he says, come, open the door to me. That we actually fully let him. Um, I had a, a situation, well, not a situation, a lot of situations actually. Um, but my, my largest awakening and, and the thing that has been what has kept me awake to this point happened about, uh, seven years ago. I had been in uh, full-time ministry for quite some time. I was the worship pastor at our church and uh, the women's ministry director. I had been in ministry since, well, like Donna said, youth group. I mean, we kind of had always been serving in the church and and always loving God and um, always had an idea that my life was meant for him. And I found out this thing that maybe some of you have found out so far, but not always are church people nice. You know, they don't always do and say the nicest things. They don't always handle themselves in the best ways. And they don't always seem to exhibit the love of Christ in the way that I read that it's supposed to be exhibited. And, um, you know, I was still serving. I, you know, everybody's mandate, every church's mission statement is some version of love God and love people, right? Because that's the command of Jesus. Love God, love people. Loving God is easy. Loving people, mm, not always so much. You know, because sometimes people are mean and sometimes things happen. But you know that and you know that everybody's on a journey and you know that everybody's going through their own thing and their own place in life. And, you know, so I was still serving and, of course, still loving God and loving people. You know that when people do things, you need to forgive, of course. And so I would forgive and move on and and whatever. Um, but I had come to this point where I was functioning, doing all the stuff. I mean, leading worship, leading Bible studies, preaching messages, doing all this stuff. And I was just getting crankier and crankier doing it. It was just one of those things where I'm serving, but why are these people acting like this? Why is that person late to rehearsal? Why why doesn't anybody understand that we need a schedule? Why doesn't everybody understand that things... And it was just... I was just getting snappy. Has anybody experienced that? You just... You get... Like when your kids are on the last nerve. And whatever they just did what did not warrant the kind of reaction they got. But they were the last one. And, and so it was like that. And I found that, you know, I would sit to prepare my messages and... I, I struggled to hear the voice of God, to hear the message. It was like, I know, I know, you know, sort of what he needs to say, what he wants to say, but it's just not coming together. And if people would just leave me alone so I could think, if, I mean, why does the phone keep ringing? Why do people co- keep coming in for prayer? And cause you're working at a church and you're a pastor. That, that's the logical answer. But you know, I need to hear God. People just need to go away. And uh, one of my co-workers, a good friend, you know, he would come into my office every once in a while 
after staff meeting or something, and he would be, he'd come and sit at my desk and, so, you're a little sharp today. Is there anything you want to talk about? Well, no, it's just these people are, and he'd be like, okay, well, I'll just, I just pray blessing on you. Have a good rest tonight, you know, and what's sharp? What does he mean? I'm sharp. What is he talking about? I'm, I'm, I am doing the work of the ministry, but these people are not making it very easy for me. You know, there's just, which is an oxymoron right there, right? No people, no ministry. There is, that's just how that works. But, you know, I just had this thing. And um, finally one day, I am out at the mall and I'm buying my daughter's grad gift. And I'm standing there at the counter and I have had to make so many choices for so many things, for so many people, and the people don't make any sense, and they're not making my job any easier, and and I'm just stressed, you know, but I've got to go make this decision, and of course I'm trying to be in the moment and feel things for for my daughter and for her graduation and everything, and I'm at the jewelry store, and I have this selection in front of me, and, you know, they're like, well, you know, what what do you think, the salesperson? You know, this one signifies more this, and this one signifies more that. And I look at it, and I'm like, hmm. <laughs> well, I, I don't know. <laughs> so I go, I leave the store. I have to talk to my husband about it. I go out into the middle of the mall. People are all around me, and I'm out in the middle of the mall, and I get my phone out, and I'm like, you're like in this thing. And I call my husband. I'm like, <laughs> you have come get me. And he's like, where are you? I'm like, I'm at the mall. <laughs> you know, and I mean, when a husband hears his wife is at the mall and that's going on, he doesn't have any idea what to think. But, you know, maybe maybe the credit card got stolen, whatever. But he's just like, I, are you okay? I, I don't know what's happening to me. And I'm, ha- I'm having a moment, you know. So he's like, can you go somewhere more quiet? I don't even know. I'm just, I, I mean, I can't see a thing. It was bad. And I am, I have spent the last however long keeping it together. How are you today, Charlotte? Oh, I'm well, thank you. I'm great. Praise God. Just love, you know, love ministry. Oh, Charlotte, that was a good message today. Praise God. I'm so glad. Why didn't anybody come up to the altar? Is what I'm thinking, you know. Worship, oh, worship was so good today. Oh, well, you couldn't tell by the half of the people that didn't respond or they didn't raise their hands. This is my thought process, but I'm I'm doing the thing. Oh, thank you. Praise God. Praise God. Until, so, you know, everybody's, women have the game face. We, ha- right? We have the game face. Until you ugly cry in the middle of a mall. And it's just all over at that point. And so I'm like, I, I finally had to just realize there's something that is completely wrong here. So I took a sabbatical for a month. I, uh, I, ha- I live in small town Saskatchewan growing up. And I moved to small town Alberta as an adult. And so I had never been to anywhere, you know, big other than on missions trips or with somebody. But I booked myself a flight to Los Angeles and um, booked a condo, that, like a ministry retreat condo, rented a car. I, I flew into LAX, rented a car, pulled out on a 12-lane freeway because I need something from God. And uh, I mean, yeah, it was that bad. <laughs> <laughs> it was that bad. And I, I, I got there and I'm, cause I'm, I gotta get this done. I've got a month. 
So I've got some books, I've got a journal, I've got a couple different versions of the Bible in case God doesn't want to speak in New King James this particular week. And so I've got my, I got everything and I sit there. I, I have flown out of town. I got my lawn chair. I got my stuff. Okay, God, what is wrong with me? And nothing, nothing for the, I spent a whole week there and all he did was just refresh my heart, refresh my emotions. I was incapable of receiving anything at that point is the honest truth. I mean, I, I had a timetable. I really wanted God to fit the timetable. He didn't seem to care about my timetable. And so he just, we just had a good time, just Jesus and me. And as soon as I got home, I had three more weeks on my, on my um, sabbatical. And I'm like, okay, God, like, <laughs> we're going to have to get at this. Or maybe I'm going to have to quit my job. Like, I can't, I cannot function in church like this. That is for sure. And so um, I get home and suddenly... The first morning after I got home, I had this dream, like early on, you know, that just before you wake up thing, which is usually God talking, um, so that you remember it. And so suddenly in the dream, I remember this one particular situation in ministry where somebody who I had been really close to, um, somebody who had been part of our team for years and whatever, had come into me, and this, it really happened, and so I'm just remembering it in the dream, but she'd come into the office and was so disappointed in something that I had done and said, well, I had you on a pedestal, I guess that was a mistake. And, and that was, because church people say great stuff sometimes. Um, you know, all people say great stuff, but you just don't see it coming within the church. And so for me, I had in that moment went, okay, well, that's her thing. She never, like she literally should never have had me on a pedestal. And so God, I just forgive her. And I had, I had released her in that moment. But what I hadn't realized is that I had also made an oath and said, I am never going to be that open with anybody again. So I had released forgiveness, but I had kept this thing up. And so Literally every day for the next three weeks, every morning I woke up and there was another situation and there was another memory and there was another conversation of some place where I had forgiven because I know that's the right thing to do, but I had decided and I'm never going to be vulnerable like that again. I am never going to open myself up like that again. And I had placed my own armor on and I could suddenly see myself as like an armadillo you know, with just layers of armor that was self-imposed. It was armor that I had put on, and it had created this thing where, yes, nobody could hurt me, but neither could God get to me. You know, I had blocked my heart off myself. It wasn't his doing. The word tells us, and we heard it in the song this morning, nothing can separate us from the love of God. But we can choose to shut the door. And we can leave him standing outside going, please open the door to me. Please open the door to me. Because that's the reality of God's love. That's the reality of his encounter with us, is that he loves us enough to give us the choice. He will never force it on us. He will never force his love on us. He will never make us take down the wall. But he will press in and, and, and provide a really good reason that we should choose to take it down. And so that, that particular time, I mean, it was an interesting journey for me. Um, because it, it's, you know, when you've been carrying armor for a while, 
it's comfortable. And that's just the safe way to live. It's the safe way to function. And so for me, I was, I was just very comfortable to doing ministry that way. So every time I, I mean, I'm just a visual person. So to me, it was like literally taking a piece of armor off and that, that spot's vulnerable right now. And, and I would feel so, so vulnerable for the longest time. And after my sabbatical, it was time to go back to work. And I so clearly remember the very first day that I walked into the office and I remember feeling like I was sunburnt. Like, just don't, don't touch me. I'm just going to, I'm just going to go to my desk and not just, it's going to be fine. It's going to be fine. And I just had to clearly decide I am going to stay armor free and allow the God, God to be the armor that he is intended to be. He is actually supposed to be. The word tells us that the peace of God will, will guard our hearts and minds. The peace of God is actually the thing that is meant to protect us. But if we self-protect, he can't. And so I had to make this choice. And what was so cool was in that moment deciding I'm going to let people in. It was like, I, I can feel God again. I can hear God again. I, I can experience, and I mean, I, it felt like I was going into prayer and suddenly he'd answer and it was a conversation again, whereas it had been pretty one-sided. I am telling him everything that's wrong with his people. That's, that's what prayer was looking like, you know, and God, you got to help me. Now it was like conversational again. And God had just opened this up. Now, I don't want you to think like I, I was not a, a wreck. Nobody, nobody except maybe my husband knew that anything was wrong. Some people thought I was just a little stressed, a little high strung, but I was completely flawed on the inside because I had been hurt and I had not allowed God to actually work with the wounding. And so this is, this is what awakening looks like. It can be all kinds of situations. There can be all sorts of things that cause us, you know, um, financial things. You're believing God to, to supply something. It doesn't seem to come through in the way you expected it. And then now in your heart, you wouldn't say it to anybody else, but God failed you. Or you were praying for somebody to be healed and they passed. And you wouldn't say it to anybody else, but God let you down. And we, th those are the things that the enemy puts around us and offers to us. And we have a choice what we're going to do with them. And so this is, this is how the slumber thing works. And I just kind of want to share with that a little bit because spiritual slumber is the, the other side of being awakened. Spiritual slumber is the place where we're not actually fully engaged in God. Spiritual slumber is the place where we are uh, in control of how awake we are and how much of God is, is available through us. It's the place where we still put on the game face, but really it's not passionate living. It, it's pretty good, but it's not fully what God has in mind. How many of you, this is a, maybe a awkward question, but how many of you have been very in love before? So, yeah, so, okay, I would hope more than that. How many of you are married? Uh, that, that, should, <laughs> that should be at least the same number, I'm going to say. But you know that feeling where it's like anything is possible. 
Like, you don't care if you get enough sleep that night because it was so awesome being with him and you are so excited. You, you will walk on clouds for the next several days to work or to school. It's just the most amazing thing. You think that he is brilliant. You are fixated on his eyes or his really cute earlobes or some, something that you just like, every time you get together, you want to learn something new about who he is and what he does and how he thinks. And, and there's just that, that feeling. I literally believe that God intends for us to feel that way about him all the time. I believe there's a reason that, that in Revelation we read about returning to your first love. I literally think it's supposed to be that exciting to be with him. I want to see another part of who you are, God. But slumber is this bait of the enemy that pulls us away from that. It's the place where the shields go up or we hide behind a rock or we pull into inactivity or we step away from who he is. And when when the Lord comes and goes, hey, let's spend some time together, we go, oh, my television shows are on. Thank you. you could you come back in two hours? You know, that that kind of thing. And God is wanting us to have this opening. So how does slumber even even happen? I've shared with you my story, but do you know the word actually is really clear about this? Slumber or sleep, depending on your translation, is mentioned all through the New Testament. But really, slumber is the result of indulging in the flesh at the expense of the spirit. Slumber is the result of indulging in the flesh at the expense of the spirit. So it's those moments where we do whatever we need to do to feel better, to go after what we like, what we want, however we need to self-protect, whatever it is for us. And the spirit of God is going, wait, 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 I have an answer for that. And we go, no, I got it, thank you. And I'll handle it. See, what, what happened for me is that I learned as I came back into my workplace after this experience, people still did dumb things. And people still said things that were cruel, but instead of just putting up another piece of of shield, I had to actually take it to God. I had to actually go, I would forgive, but then I would say, that totally hurt. That was unacceptable. Like, I don't know where that came from. I don't know why they, why they did that, but that really hurt. And let God actually be God. And let him, see, I, I forgive because I know that's the right thing to do. But actually let him comfort me. Actually let him heal me. Actually let him speak life back into my heart. Actually allow him to put the healing balm where there was a hole. Actually allow him to do something to, to bring it to life again. So the enemy sits there and he watches these situations around our lives. He watches the stuff that happens. I mean, it can be, it can be early on in life. It could be being abused as a child. It could be being in a, in a hurtful marriage. It can be being in a church situation. It could be dealing with poverty. It can be, you know, having a, even a physical accident and the trauma causes results. But in any one of those moments, the enemy puts out what I call bait. The word calls it a snare, but it's the thing that's set up to actually trip you up. The word bait or snare in the word is a trap or a snare or an offense or any impediment placed in the way 
that causes one to stumble or fall. It is anything that causes a misstep. And so the enemy watches, and some things I think he he actually causes, some things I think he watches the course of life and just sees it happen. But then in that moment, he offers us bait. And he goes, you know, you you really were wronged there. You need to think about that. You need to regurgitate it in your mind. You're right to be offended. You should be offended. That was a hurtful thing. That was a, that was a dangerous thing. That was a difficult thing. You're right to be offended. You should talk to somebody about that and see what they think about it. How do they feel about what just happened to you? And he's planting these seeds of, you'll feel better if you get a team on your side. You'll feel better if you get people that agree with you. That kind of, that kind of situation. He'll place that in front of you. Or you're, you're hurt or wounded. The, the situations of life have caused your heart to be damaged, your emotions to be damaged, maybe a relationship situation. And the enemy's gonna pr- place in front of you, you know, basically, you just need to drink until you don't feel anything anymore. Just do something physical. Maybe it, you know, church circles, let's just eat until we don't feel something anymore. Eat enough carbs until you get into that carb coma and you will feel better. Just do what you need to do, but just pacify the flesh. Do what you need to do to pacify the flesh so that you feel better. Or he will present to us control. And these are the two two options that we're generally placed with. One is escapism, which is pacify the flesh in whatever way feels good, or control. Control the situation. Establish the boundaries. You put the fences up. You decide what you will and will not do from now on. You never put yourself in that situation again. You never allow anybody to hurt you again. You never, never, never. And you decide your boundaries. You know, the word tells us that God sets our boundaries. And he has put the boundaries in pleasant places, in good places. Our boundaries are inferior Our boundaries are always less than God's very best for us. So we have these two options, control or escapism. Control, essentially, if we look at it by the Spirit and the the effect that it has in our life, control is limiting or quenching the Holy Spirit. To quench the Holy Spirit means the Holy Spirit wants to do something and we tell him he can't. Some of us, even, even in terms of God has called us into maybe missions, maybe to step out in a ministry, maybe there's something great that he wants you to do. And, and the, you can feel the Holy Spirit on the invitation, and yet we set the boundaries, maybe because of fear, maybe because of past failure, maybe because we saw somebody else fall. But we, we set the boundary there and we go, no, I, I don't think so. I'll, I'll be happy to serve in this way, even though you've asked me to serve over here. That's quenching. Escapism is grieving the Holy Spirit. Grieving the Holy Spirit by turning to anything of the flesh instead of the Spirit of God, instead of what the Spirit has offered to us. The Holy Spirit has created, uh, he has this access point where he brings life into every area if we allow him to. But we will choose, you know, anything from natural, physical stuff, what we eat, what we drink, what we do, to who we talk to, to how we handle offense, to how we handle bitterness, to how we handle anger. Sometimes it's as simple as the heart is so full of whatever thing has gone on. There has been 
the, the, the stumbling block. There has been the, the issue. And the enemy's standing there with the bait. And he's like, you really, really need to just lose your temper about this. You need to completely explode. You will feel so much better if you get this off your chest. And God's going, come to me in the prayer room and get it off your chest here. Let's talk about it. But instead, maybe we spew it and we hurt everybody around us. And what happens in that moment is this spirit of slumber begins to enter the situation. And I'm not just making this up. I just want to read you a couple verses because sometimes we think, seriously, if I'm feeling, I'm feeling slumber, I'm feeling, you know, like I'm not fully awake, I'm not fully alive, and God's telling me that maybe I did something. Really? Well, James 1, verse 14 to 17, each one is tempted when he is drawn away by his own desires and enticed. And when desire has conceived, it gives birth to sin. And sin, when it is full grown, brings, uh, brings forth death. Ephesians 5, verses 8 to 16, I'm only going to read the first part. It says, Awake you who sleep. Arise from the dead and Christ will give you light. See that you walk circumspectly, not as fools, but as wise, redeeming the times because the days are evil. We see here there's actually a behavior, a how we choose to walk in holiness that is attached to awakening. They're attached there in, right in the word. Now I'm going to read to you Romans 13, 11 to 14 in the Amplified. And this one I think is so exciting. Because it just, it's empowering to find out that we actually can choose the awakening. It says, do this, knowing that this is a critical time. It is already the hour for you to awaken from your sleep or spiritual complacency. For our salvation is nearer to us now than when we first believed in Christ. The night and this present evil age is almost gone, and the day of Christ's return is almost here. So let us fling away the works of darkness and put on the full armor of light. Let us conduct ourselves properly and honorably as in the light of day, not carousing in drunkenness, not in sexual promiscuity and irresponsibility, not quarreling or jealousy, but clothe yourselves in the Lord Jesus Christ and make no provision for or even think about gratifying the flesh in regard to its improper desires." It's interesting because there is this moment where even in our place of slumber, and this is where, you know, I had been feeling so broken, but I'm doing, I'm doing what needs to be done because it's people's fault that I'm broken. What I learned was I had my own part to play in it too. And people may never apologize for what they've done. The situations of life may not change at all. But the awakening can still come if we will choose to go, okay, God, I'm going to give up my control and place it in your hands. I'm going to give you control of all things. I am going to allow you to guard my heart. I am going to allow you to guard my mind. I am going to be willing to trust again. I am going to be willing to love again. I am going to be willing to answer 
the call again. I am going to be willing to dream again. I am going to be willing to feel and express again. I am going to be willing to be who I really am again. I am going to be willing to be passionate again. I'm going to be willing to put my life on the line again. I want you more than I want to be right. I want you more than I want to control this situation. I want you more than I want to be hurt. I want you more than I want to be safe. I want you more than any situation I have constructed for myself. I want you more. I want to feel alive on the inside again. I want to wake up every morning and I want to know that the enemy is shaking because I just hit my alarm clock. I want to wake up every morning knowing that you have a plan for me. I want to wake up every morning knowing that I'm not broken and damaged, but you have made me whole. I want to wake up every morning knowing that no matter what anybody says about me, no matter what man can do to me, no matter what the situations and circumstances of life are, I am okay because you have marked me, you have called me, and I am a princess of the Most High God. I am seated together with Christ in heavenly places. See, that's the awakening. That's the place that God's calling us to. And whatever our stuff is, whatever our reasons for staying behind our walls and in our shelters and behind closed doors are, they're just not worth it compared to him. They're just not worth it compared to him. Isaiah 52, verse 1 and 2 is interesting because it says, Awake, awake and put on your strength, O Zion. Put on the beautiful garments, O Jerusalem, the holy city. For the uncircumcised and the unclean shall no longer come to you. I think that's really good. See, in this prophetic word, it's saying that in the awakening of a nation, and we have been grafted into this promise, In the awakening, it's not, I will put on strength for you. I will put beautiful garments on you. It says, here they are, put them on. See, at some point, we have to just go, okay, he has come that I would have life and life abundantly. I'm going to put that on. I'm going to put on forgiveness. I'm going to put on trust. I'm going to put on love. I'm going to put on righteousness. I am going to put on joy. I am going to put on what needs to be put on so that I experience this. The unclean and the uncircumcised shall no longer come to you. So in this decision, there's a choice to go, you know what, I don't need that anymore. I mean, some in this room may have, you may have actual addictions, and God is offering a breakthrough today. If that's you, I hope you will come up at the end of of the afternoon today, and we will pray and believe there's a spirit of deliverance. But I firmly believe offense is as addicting as cocaine right? Unforgiveness, brokenness. It's something that becomes a a comfort to us. It becomes something that is normal. Depression, that attack on the mind, that attack on the emotions, man, it gets to be our identity and it's not who God has made us to be. Whatever issues are there, whatever circumstances, they're all subject to change. If we say, I actually don't want this anymore, I am going to be willing to feel again. So going on in this verse in Isaiah 52, it says, Arise and sit down, O Jerusalem. Loose yourselves from the bonds of your neck, captive daughter of Zion. Loose yourself from the bonds around your neck. In other words, you know, Isaiah 61, and when Jesus stood up, and he came and he said that we are anointed through him 
to proclaim freedom to the captives. But all we can do is proclaim freedom to the captives. Captives decide whether they want to stay captive or not. I, I read a story once of a man, um, it, it was in uh, the Florida Keys, and he, w- he had been a slave there, uh, not, not actually there, earlier on in the states, in the southern states, for years, but he had been, uh, his, uh, the plantation that he worked on, the people that he worked for actually loved him and his family. He had a wife and children and they had given him a full, a certificate of freedom and emancipation. And he had this paper. And so he was like free to go and be the man that, that he was supposed to be. He was actually a preacher and a teacher. Uh, Mr. Cornish was his name. And, um, oddly enough, Years after he had stepped into his freedom and he'd had a piece of property and him and his wife had a small farm and they had a small church and people came along because there's always that uh, opportunity for bondage that comes along and he was recaptured unlawfully and put back into slavery and it was like he, he had he had proof that he was a free man he had proof because he had this paper from his previous master and oddly enough before he could prove it oddly enough, their house burnt down and the paper went with it. And he had no proof of his freedom. And so he spent several more years in slavery and finally managed to escape and went down into the Florida Keys to the furthest part. And he actually took a, took a blade and cut the muscle of the tendon on the back of his leg and hamstrung himself so that he was unable to work again. Terrible story, right? But the idea is he was so determined to never be enslaved again, he decided to make himself free. Instead of being set free, he decided to make himself free. And what I find so interesting is that the word says that he who the son has, and the correct translation is actually, he who the son has made free is free indeed. See, someone who's been set free can be enslaved again, but somebody who's been made free owns their freedom. And so I believe even today, God is offering a different level of freedom where it's the kind of thing where we agree to be made free. And we are marked. You know, the apostle Paul talked about he was marked as a servant of God, a slave of God. He put himself in that position. It's not that we're trying to be disfigured or anything weird like that. But I'm I'm saying we have to lay hold of our freedom. We have to mark it. We have to claim it. We have to decide it's ours, and we step into that. And so in this verse here in Isaiah, it's saying you choose to loose yourself from the bands that are around your neck. This morning, I believe God is offering this option. Are we desirous of that kind of awakening? Are we desirous of that kind of freedom? Because the interesting thing is that slumber is a counterfeit of rest. Slumber says, I just don't have the energy for that. Slumber says, I just can't really do that. I have no passion for that. I have no interest in that. But it's not actually giving any level of life at all. It's just causing days and weeks and months and years to pass by fruitless. fruitless. But Jesus says, come to me, all you who are weary late." weary and heavy laden, and I will give you rest. There is a rest in God. It's not that we just have to run out there and take on life without any supply. We do it from rest. We do it in rest. We do it in his supply. 
Psalm 116 verse 7 says, return to your rest, O my soul, for the Lord has done bountifully with you, has dealt bountifully with you. Return to your rest, O my soul. I believe this morning that even before we go into this afternoon, because this morning we're talking about what are we awakened from. This afternoon we're going to talk about what are we awakened to, which is really exciting. But we have to decide whether we want to go there. We have to decide, do I want to be fully awakened? Do I want to be impassioned? Am I willing to let go of my stuff? Am I willing to walk away of the things of the flesh to embrace the things of the spirit? Am I willing to lay down my rights to embrace what is right? And so I'm just going to, do we have a, Annalise, would you mind just come to the keyboard for a little bit? Play something. I'm just going to ask you to just take a moment, and, and before we stop for our lunch break today, I just want to pray over you. But this invitation of Psalm 116, verse 7, return to your rest, O my soul, for the Lord has dealt bountifully with you. God, we believe this morning that you have indeed dealt bountifully with us, God. We believe in this place today by faith, some from deep, deep revelation of truth and some this is new to, but God, we believe by faith today that you have provided all things that we need. We believe today in this house, Lord, that you care about each heart, that every person in this room was picked by you to be here today for such a time as this. God, I just speak over the women in this room even now, and I speak life over them, God. For those who have been broken, I speak your healing over them, God. For those who have been wounded and and uh, hurt even emotionally, God, I just speak a release of your healing, soothing balm over hearts and minds even today, God, over emotions. Lord, for those who have been hurt in church or in, in Christian ministry, God, I just thank you for your truth, Lord, and I thank you that your truth is making us free even today. And so, God, we choose to embrace you. We choose to embrace your word today, God. We choose to step into that place of openness and honesty with you. We choose to embrace huh, transparency with you. Lord, for each one where we have bit into the bait of the enemy and we've indulged the things of the flesh, I pray that you would just reveal that to us even now individually. Where there's been, there's been the bait. And in our woundedness, in our hurt, in our frustration and fear, we have bit into it. Lord, right now we just ask your forgiveness. We ask your forgiveness, God. And Lord, I thank you that you love us through it and you love us past it, God. You love us into it. Lord, I thank you that you are the beloved standing at the door and knocking, saying, can I come in? Lord, even this morning, I pray over each woman that each place of each heart would be open before you, would be open to you, and that you, Holy Spirit, would come and do what you do and breathe life and breathe healing 
begin to blow the wind of the Spirit on the gardens of our heart, Lord, that the fragrance of God would come out once again, Lord, to a greater degree even than we've ever known. I just speak healing and release life in this place in Jesus' name. Thank you, God. Lord, we say to our souls to return, return to our rest. Return to your rest, oh my soul. And Lord, where the spirit of slumber has been present, I just take authority over that right now in Jesus' name, in this attitude of repentance, in this attitude of openness, in the name of Jesus, I take authority over that spirit of slumber and command it to go in Jesus' name. Lord, we thank you that according to your word, whatever we bind on earth is bound in heaven. And so God, we take that thing and in Jesus' name, we bind it. And I just speak an awakening right now in Jesus' name, a stirring of hearts, a stirring of minds, a stirring of dreams in Jesus' name a stirring of expectation, a stirring of anticipation. I speak life to emotions right now in Jesus' name. I speak life to anticipation of, of greater things, Lord, in Jesus' name. And Lord, I thank you that your love washes over it all. Your love washes over it all, and your perfect love drives out all fear. Whoa, thank you, Lord. Lord, where there's the fear where there's been the fear to take down the shields or where there's been fear to step out from behind the wall. Lord, I thank you right now. Your perfect love drives out all fear. And so, Lord, we invite you by your love to move in this place. Move in our hearts, God. Move in our hearts, God. Let your love flow. Let your love flow. Lord, we hear the voice of our beloved this morning. And Lord, we believe that greater things are yet to come. That according to your word, the end of a thing is even greater than its, a be its beginning. God, I believe that every woman in this room, according to your word, has a greater thing ahead of them. And Lord, we just speak to those greater things and we say live. Live. Live in Jesus' name. Thank you, God. Thank you, God. Thank you for stirring the hearts to anticipate. And Lord, even this afternoon as we come back together again, I thank you, Lord, <laughs> for launching dream bombs in this house. <laughs> dreams in the heart, God. Dreams for what is yet to come. Dreams for, for future destinies, God. Dreams for the big picture, dreams for kingdom plans, God, that your bride would rise and rule and reign as you have intended, God. Lord, that the kingdom would look as she's intended to be. And Lord, I thank you that you've included us in your kingdom plan. I thank you that even as we're here today, gathered together, Lord, it's not by accident, but it's because you've included us and you want us to be part of what you want to do. And so, Lord, we're open to that. We're willing. Lord, where we've We've been unwilling, God. It has changed. And by faith, we declare that. Where even this morning, we may have had some, some boundaries or some uh, limitations, God. We have dropped those. And by faith, we run forward and we set our eyes in front of us, God, to the kingdom plan that you have prepared. And we expect from you. And we give you praise, Lord, in Jesus' name. Thank you, God. Thank you, God. I just want to encourage you. I know we're going into our 
lunchtime. And I want to encourage you uh, to just allow the Lord to keep working on our hearts. We're just going to take a pause and eat. But this is a room filled with powerful, powerful women of God who have been marked for his purposes. Man, I, I there is a shaking. You know, some of us are more feelers than others, but there is a shaking in the spiritual atmosphere about this gathering. I believe today is one of those days that you will mark as a day that something changed for you. And so let's continue anticipating and I'll turn it over to Joy. Praise God. Thank you for listening to this week's podcast at Centre Church. One church passionately loving God and people in Burgess Hill and Brighton. To get the latest news or for any other information, check out our website at www.centrechurch.uk.